Marini's Media. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. We're back after our winter break and we've moved to Tuesday. Tuesday? What day? Yes, Tuesday. We're back. This week we dissect Daniel Stendhal's open heart surgery. Kelly hoping to turn their dire results into Dyer's results. And there was a Glasgow grab from Christie, but Rangers walked away kings of Celtic Park for the first time since 2010. Plus, we'll be previewing the Scottish Cup as Bonnie and Clyde take centre stage and Steve Hislop, you know him, he played eight times for Gillingham, will tell us all about his team, Broxburn Athletic, as they get ready to face St Mirren. I'm Andrew Slavin, and as ever, I'm joined by the most enthusiastic man in any room he's in. It's JJ Bull from The Telegraph. Hello. Enthusiastic as ever. Well, I had to do it. He set me up. <laughs> and here with reasons to be cheerful, it's European football expert Kieran Canning. Why am I cheerful? Your cause. Because I was going to say, if JJ is the most enthusiastic man in every room, am I now just a dour Scot to, <laughs> go to balance him out? Well, you can change that. You can change that now. And for the first time ever on the Totally Scottish Football Show, it is actually totally Scottish because our new producer, Abby, has a passport that says birthplace Livingston. And that's what we need, is it? We just the only Scottish. Get rid of the like our, our real xenophobes. That's what we need to be. The thing is, I think, this, I think this is Brexit Britain in twenty twenty. Yeah. JJ, <laughs> get on board or get out. Abby got Abby got on board as soon as she found out Livingston's uh, stadium was the basically the spaghetti had the Tony Macaroni. <laughs> there you go, um, JJ. A, a wee birdie told me that you've been speaking to someone who doesn't play football in Scotland but is Scottish. Are you talking about Andy Robertson? Yeah. I see. Oh, yes. Me and me how, how is he? How is he fine. doing? Well, this, to put this in context, me and Kieran were both working at the Spurs-Liverpool game the other did day. Did you meet up outside of the studio? We did, yeah. We were talking football, work football. And o- then, over uh, the free buffet, it should be pointed out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of buffet was there? A football buffet. And then, it, uh, <laughs> and then at full time, Kieran went and did the press conferences with the managers, which is really fun. And um, I just Were you went... just watching him this whole time? Yeah. And I went to the mix zone. into the football buffet and just watching Kieran work. And I went to the mix zone and um, Andy Robertson came out and we had a little chat with him with all the, for the dailies, the Mondays. Oh, cool. What did he say? Uh, he said some things about how he doesn't drink during the season at all. It's kind of obvious, but in the two weeks during the summer, he definitely gets on might. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I asked him... I, I basically, basically saying that even if we do qualify for Euro 2020, <laughs> Andy Robertson's just going to be blitzed the whole tournament. Oh, man, I would pay to watch Andy Robertson span out like, playing against Israel. It would be great. <laughs> it can't be any worse than half the players have got. Um, and I asked him how, if he thinks his game has changed since he got this, the captaincy at Scotland. And he uh, says that, sort of, mm. says he takes bits and pieces. He's not really like close to being captain of Liverpool but he's definitely changed the way he thinks about it when he's on the pitch but yeah that's all I've got for you that's interesting not particularly fascinating there you that's go. okay you're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power but it's been a it's been a really long time since we were last together you know Christmas and New Year's happened so much is going on but we should catch up on everything that's happened. So we should really start with matters at the top of the table. Rangers won at Celtic Park for the first time since 2010. 2-1, thanks to Nikola Katic's 56th minute header. Another good spell in the game for Rangers. Barisic asking the question again. Katic! He's done it! Cracking header! 
and Rangers hit the front again. They have the lead once more on this day of destiny in the title race. Kieran, you were at this game. I was, yes. Yeah, it was kind of a strange game to to analyse. It's bit like I've, I've, there was now been three Celtic Rangers games this season, and it seems to be as soon as one team seems to be getting on top, the other one scores. So mm-hmm. obviously there was the League Cup final where Rangers dominated, had all the chances. Celtic ended up winning. The first half of this game more or less followed that pattern. Like Rangers were, were far the better team, but again, just as Celtic were coming into it and getting on top, uh, they missed the penalty. Obviously. Rangers went up the park and and scored, and I think that was just the major difference of of this game to the to the League Cup final. That Rangers had fewer chances, but were probably still the the better team and and took them this time round. And it was interesting because we normally think of cup finals as people always say about cup finals, you know, they're there to win. It doesn't matter how you play as long as you win. Whereas actually, the speaking to the Gerard in the the press conference, and there was a few Rangers players afterwards as well. They took so much from that League Cup final, even though they lost. Mm. So much confidence that they can beat Celtic. Because the way they played, it's like and, and result, yeah. then getting over the line and actually winning this game gives them even more confidence going into the second half of the season. I think it, it could really be the the turning point in, in the title race because going into this game, I probably like many thought that Rangers are really close now, um, but maybe Celtic are just going to get over the line. They had a, the two, well, they had a five point advantage, and Rangers had a, have had a game in hand. Um, but I still think it won that game. It goes to eight points. You think realistically the title might be gone for Rangers. Now it's in back in Rangers' hands. If they win their game in hand, they they go ahead of Celtic. And interestingly, like they had a really hard December in terms of the fixtures. Whereas now coming back in after the Scottish Cup this weekend, like five of Rangers' next seven league games are at home. Five of Celtic's next seven are away. So there's a chance for Rangers to actually build up a bit of a lead. And there was a bit of controversy after this game because a lot of it's been spoken about already. But Ryan Christie has been banned for two games for grabbing Morelos by the balls. Um, Deemed worthy of brutality. So let's get to the meat and two veg of this one. (laughs) Is two games a correct ban? I presume it's for each ball. (laughs) Oh God! I can't take credit for that one. That was all Abby. That was class. The the thing about it is, I think the precedent was set when Stephen McLean got banned for uh, grabbing Kwasi. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, I remember that. Uh, what did he get? What did he get banned for that? He got two it? games two as well. well yeah. um, so there is a precedent. So there's a precedent. For it. The only thing I would say different about this one, like the, the Stephen McLean one, that was a dead dead ball. So he <laughs> grabbed him by the balls. So there was there was no action. Whereas this one, it almost looks as if like Christie goes to just normally pull him down, not pull him down by the balls. But then there is also a a bit of a grab there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually don't think it's going to affect... Well, it could affect Celtic that he's not playing, but he's an injury doubt anyway, so in terms of the ban, the games he's going to miss, sure, he probably won't play yeah. anyway. But um, And I think it's gonna actually going to be a three-game ban because he already got sent off once this season. So, But it's ironic, that injury as well, because it's a groin injury. Hey. Hey, there you go. <laughs> a nice end to all of that. Well, not for Christie. I mean, all the fallout's done now, but there was an odd kind of moment uh, earlier this week and I want to know what your reaction is to when Steven Gerrard was saying, I would love the Scottish League to filter into the English leagues, all of them to save and help the Scottish game. This was him speaking to Jamie Carragher, his former Liverpool teammate, on Carragher's podcast, The Greatest Game. He went on to say, can you picture now a Premier League with those two clubs, basically Celtic and Rangers? It's just bizarre that he mentions the Scottish League's filtering in and then goes immediately to Celtic and Rangers. I don't think it's bizarre at all. I mean... It's, I mean 
you got to put it in context. We're looking at it from Scottish angle, and if you imagine from outside of it, people just don't, especially in England, just don't care. Do you think it's been? And the numbers are huge. Like Rangers and Celtic are like two of the most supported clubs in Europe, if not the world. Like they are. I don't want to have to talk about them all the time, <laughs> but uh, they are the big teams in Scotland. Like you can't get away from it. And the better they do in Europe, the better it is for everyone else because it does make the coefficient better. Blah 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 blah. But I don't think it's bizarre what Gerard's saying. It makes total sense. And also, you can't pick apart the actual words he's saying. He's not like a poet writing down words explicitly choosing each one. He's just saying it would. I mean, he goes to games against like Livy, and a, you know, there's a thousand people turn up to watch it. Hamilton have got a plastic pitch. Like it's just all this stuff that is not great. And uh, I don't see it as being a totally bad thing, the idea of it merging slightly. Do you, do you disagree with Derek McInnes then? Because Derek McInnes came out in kind of defence of Scottish football. He said, I think we have a good level in the league at the minute. I understand Stephen's comments, but I don't particularly agree with them. Rangers and Celtic have a real obligation to make the Scottish League as strong as possible, as we all have. We have to live within our means to do that. Scottish football doesn't need to be saved, but we all have an obligation to make it even better. The word is saved is the, is the wrong word. I think I think he would take that back if he'd have the choice. I can't speak for Gerard, but that's probably not, not the right thing, right? Not to get my Jimmy hat and my kilt on, crack open a can of iron brew, but... I mean, I just wonder <laughs> why you're wearing them. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, does, <laughs> it, it does very much sound like you know, uh, an English solution to perceived Scottish problems. Um, and as I say, like the, the... It is their job to save us, isn't what, it? Well, yeah. well, what the, the bit that didn't really make sense from Gerard, as you say, is that he kind of made that comment. I think it was a sort of throwaway comment. He wasn't really thinking, because he doesn't go into any detail of how that would actually work in terms of how the Scottish leagues yeah. would filter into yeah. to the English leagues. Um, it's not going to happen. If it was going to happen, it would have happened you know, 20, 30 years ago at the start of the... I know how to do league. it. It could be like the um, the Highland League and the Lowland League, so they have a playoff to get into the uh, <laughs> into the bottom... Oh, so the Scottish <laughs> leagues become part of the English pyramid system. Yeah, and we go back to being subservient to uh, the English. <laughs> oh, God, I date to win. Well, that, oh, I'm not even going to go into it. It's too, it's, it, it hurts my head. It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter. This is all the, just conjecture. One thing I would chat. say, the only thing that is going, that potentially is going to change, it won't be going to the English leagues, is if there's some sort of European League shake-up how are Celtic and Rangers involved in that? You would yeah. imagine they would not go into the first tier of it, but if there was a second tier, then they could go into that. All the discussions I've seen around European leagues is that even if there is a some type of European breakaway or more of a league format than the Champions League, that the domestic leagues will run alongside that. So they wouldn't be leaving Scottish football. And also, sadly for the likes of JJ, if that were to happen, it would just mean Celtic and Rangers would have even more money. Mm. And even if they concentrated their resources on the European League or whatever comes of that, then their reserve teams would be still be good enough to uh, win. And the thing as well, right, if Rangers have slightly left the league, I mean, they're not going to, but if they left and then what would happen? Well, it wouldn't be their choice. Well, if they had a choice, they would have been gone already. Well, I mean, whatever the, th- the thing is, but like, if they if they went away, it would end up being that Aberdeen probably finished top and then, like right now, Motherwell below them and then you quickly establish... Like Hearts and Hibs would be in that top four, and then they'd probably pull away from the rest of the team. You might have this similar sort of situation where it's just two teams who always win it yeah. again and again. The whole thing, the money's ruined everything. It's ruined the world. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, let's, uh, that quote from McInnes as well, saying that Rangers and Celtic should want to, to level the playing field in, in the league. That's I, I totally agree with that, because if they are just dominating it and winning it every week, it's just pony, and you can't have that. You want it to be more level. The only way is to have some sort of way in to distribute money equally even the Champions League if you get, even once the money you earn from that is 
like the I mean the prize money is more than like Aberdeen. Well, yeah, it's like twenty million just yeah, for qualifying. Yeah. But then it's harder to qualify nowadays. You've seen Celtic. Yeah, no, it is. But what, the one struggle. thing I would say that is you see in the European qualifiers every year, particularly in the the Champions League, it's the same teams every year because, I mean, even for example, losing in the playoff round before before the group stage of the Champions League is now worth five million. So even teams that are getting to that level, a bit a bit less in Scotland, but you know, in a lot of the sort of you know. Bulgarian leagues, Romanian leagues, and Celtic played against Cluj, for example. The same teams are just getting that money in, which is way more than other teams in the league. So you just get the same champions over and over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's face it, we've spoken about Celtic and Rangers enough. So enough. Let's move on to the bigger stories away from Glasgow and let's go to the capital where hearts are breaking. Yep. Glenn Whelan's gone. Christoph Berra just got married, and then two days later, he's pretty much gone because yeah, he's that been sucks for him, he's yeah. been pretty much forced to train with the reserves. And the strong suggestion is that they're not they're not really done yet. Daniel Stendel says he's looking to lift hearts from the depths of despair. Sounds like an album title if I ever heard one from like Meatloaf or something. Quick thoughts on that, guys. What do you think? Do you think he's doing the right thing? Do you think he's sending the right message? Like he's because the fact is, Christoph Berra is a bit of a legend at the club. I wouldn't say, I don't mean legend in the stalwart. fact that he's done so much. It's stalwart. You know, he'd been there as a, I think it was he, there as a young kid, came <clears> through <throat> the youth level there, was captain at a young age, I think one of the youngest captains at Hearts at 22, then left, went down to the championship, got promoted at Wolves, came back to Hearts and done so much for the club. And even he himself has kind of suggested that Daniel Stendel's you know, being a bit disrespectful towards him. Yeah, I think the the problem isn't so much does he want to move out players like Berra and, and Whelan because we spoke about this a bit when Stendhal came in at first that the way he wants to play this idea of, you know, pressing high, playing with a high back line, which means, you know, you really need pacey defenders, which Berra certainly isn't. They, all those players maybe don't fit into the style of football he wants to play. So, so moving them on, nothing wrong with that at all. I think the problem is the way it's been handled, the fact that both players have come out publicly and spoken about it. You've got John Daly, who's a, a former coach there now as well, who's kind of been sidelined by Stendhal, was on the radio the other night. He said he said his handling of the club so far has been embarrassing. So it's not... But then this comes back to the whole pro- structural problem at, at Hearts. If at the start, he Stendhal was coming in and had his own coaches in place and the previous coaching teams were all moved out then a lot of these problems wouldn't be happening or something wouldn't be coming you know, out in the, in the public eye. But because they've botched it at almost every stage in terms of sacking Levine but leaving him in and around the club, having such a long time between Levine leaving and then hiring Stendhal, not giving Stendhal his coaches at the first I minute mean, as soon as they came in. And the, the problems just got worse and worse and worse, both on and off the field, because the results have been terrible since Stendhal came in as well. You still think surely with their resources and everything that they'll be able to at, least, at the very minimum get themselves off the bottom and and into the the promotion relegation playoff but the more these things go on the bad feeling there is around the club there's no sign of things turning around and you think now Stendhal if he's going to get rid of these players is going to want some of his own his own players in but Hearts are continuously just wasting huge amounts of money so, so what resources is so, he going to so, have? I mean it's hard for Stendhal to even get his foot in the door properly 
when the people that he's trying to move are going out publicly and kind of slamming him. Well, another problem you've got is, um, see, it depends what, well, the word's not culture, but um, the way the, the clubs, the squad is set up. So if Berra is captain, right, and really important, then if other players see that he is now getting dingied and isn't, uh, you know, he's vulnerable, he's not safe, that either says that they're like, oh, I've got to buck up my ideas now, or it means that they start to lose faith with the manager because they're treating the person they look up to as uh, as expendable. So that's not great. But what it looks like he wants to do is bring players in, like Kieran saying, to play that style of football. But then that's more more like movement in the in the squad. You can't get any cohesion. And I mean, look at them; they're sitting five points off at the bottom. You'd never thought that at the start. Mm-hmm. One big thing is that because they bought in that boy uh, Jorg Sievers, Jorge, George, Jorg, 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 uh, Jorg Sievers. He's coming as the assistant manager now, so at least he's got that. So that means he'll be able to help him with, you know, setting up his training sessions, getting all that done properly. And yeah, that. they work together at Hanover. And you so. might see an improvement because yeah. if Sendel wants to put in that style of play, he can't just do it on his own if the coaches don't know how to coach the way he wants to coach. I mean, that, you know, it's kind of simple. And the players will hopefully improve with that. He's got rid of ones like Whelan who's just slow, can't do what he wants to do. We'll see how it comes along. But it does seem like a bit of a mess. I'd feel bad if I was a Hearts fan because like, the team on the pitch tends, tends to represent what is going on at the top of the of the club? Like the chairman, I can't. A football manager told me I can't remember which one it was. But if you if you, you speak have a, to so many, I know <laughs> still popular. But if a, if a, the the club's in a disarray at the top, you see it on the pitch as well. And it's why the best run teams, the restaurant clubs, tend to be quite stable and solid and do well. Well, JJ, you'd feel bad if you were a Hearts fan. Let's hear from an actual fan about all the drama. Amaruso lets it run a Hearts YouTube channel, aka Scott McIntosh, joins us now. So what the f*** is happening at Hearts? <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, where do you start, really? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, it's even even my moral compass now as a football <laughs> fan has been so messed up in the last few weeks. Like, I'm I'm basically now just blowing off anything that happens with HR. Like, oh yeah, we can definitely sack people through WhatsApp groups. It's fine. We just need we just basically need to just stave off relegation. So anything goes just now. I think according to most fans. So I mean, Stendhal's starting to perform a bit of surgery at Hearts. He's what he's removed Christoph Berra um, who's now playing for the reserves I think and he's got rid of the likes of John Daly and these are two people who have kind of slammed what he's doing is that maybe just a bit of them being disgruntled at the change that they've been forced to make compared to the likes of you know you get Craig Halkett coming out and saying that he's being a positive energy around the club is that not is, there's a lot of contradictory messages coming from Hearts yeah, there's definitely does seem to be sort of mixed messages, and as you alluded to there, there is a difference between the likes of Craig Halkett, who has just recently been promoted up to captain, Connor Washington, it's just came back from injury. They've mentioned that they're enjoying the coaching again, which didn't seem to be the narrative from a lot of players when mm. they were, you know, having to do their media duties during the last six months. So there definitely does seem to be a difference. I mean, in terms of John Daly. The main perception or rumours amongst sort of heart supporters was that John Daly wasn't very, you know, vastly rated by the players, even when Craig Levine was still in charge. So there isn't a huge sort of surprise in the fact that John Daly wasn't happy about being sort of shown the door after one training session. And because he, you know, the situation we're in just now being bottom of the league, five points adrift going into the winter break, we kind of almost just seem to be saying, well, yep, yeah, 
getting ready players by WhatsApp, letting players go that have served the club during two spells with a, a great degree of distinction. It's not things that you'd want to see happen, generally speaking, but I think we're just trying to give the new manager the the reassurance of knowing that, you know, it's fine. Do what you need to do just now to clear the decks and, you know, we will support you. But obviously at the end of the season, if it hasn't worked, naturally some of the decisions that have been taken in the last couple of weeks we may need to look at again. You tweeted to say the media narrative has been focusing on, you know, this ruthless streak uh, that Stendhal has been has been undertaking. Um, but do you kind of feel like you're, and other fans, endearing yourself towards it? Do you think it's the right decisions that he's making? And are you feeling that there's some sort of... Can you see the difference that he's made so far on the pitch? Because, you know, he's not won yet. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. I have seen the difference and... and- hasn't always came about in results, but more just individual performances. So Sean Clare is probably the best example. He's someone who was talked about and raved about by the previous management, but they seemed incapable of getting the best out of him. Now, he's actually being played in a position that's very alien to him at right wing back, mm, yeah. but he's actually improved in terms of his overall performance. He's wanting the ball. He's now looking for the ball. He just looks like a more assured player. So there is definitely, you know, chinks of light there, but... Yeah, in terms of the overall, you know, results, that does need to change and it does need to change quite drastically, to be perfectly honest. But in terms of just going back to the narrative about Stendhal, I fully back his decisions. I suppose it's been how some of those decisions have come about, which is probably what's maybe concerned some certain sections of the support. So again, if you go back to Christoph Berra, I actually understand why you would put someone in the reserves if you've got no plans and play them in the first team because there's no point having them about even in first team training if they're not going to influence the match days but I suppose you know if you if you look at it on an individual basis and he is our captain he has served the club well during two spells it probably wasn't handled the best in terms of you know on a PR basis Yeah can Hearts fans sometimes be maybe a bit too sentimental you know if anyone's thinking that it's the wrong decision. Actually, you need to realise that the the place that you're in at the moment, it, it needs things to change quickly and that you need to get new signing, signings in to play the way that Stendhal wants. And now you've got a new assistant manager to help that kind of happen. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, if you just roll back sort of five and a half years ago when when Anne Budge and Craig Levine came through the door, within 24 hours, Gary Lott was relieved of his duties. Uh, there was other players, you know, let go like Jamie McDonald, Ryan Stevenson, who again had served the club well. Now, at that time, that was viewed to be, a, you know, a, a bit of a riskier, uh, you know, decision to, to make so quickly. But, Again, you know, the proof was in the pudding. We got we got promoted within 12 months and it was seen to be an overall the best decision for the club. Gary Locke's now back at the club as well. So mm. I, f- I think, albeit everyone's maybe a little bit upset by the way it's been handled, I think generally speaking, these decisions have to be made. And one of the reasons, again, why these decisions are being made is because Anne Budge has shown too much blind loyalty to people in the past, like Craig Levine. So we can't be seen to be making these mistakes again because it isn't going to bode well for the club in six months' time. Scott McIntosh from Amoruso lets it run. Final piece of big news for you is Kilmarnock have appointed Alex Dyer till the end of the season, replacing Angelo Alessio. So far, they've lost all three of their fixtures 1 0 when Dyer was interim. Dyer has coached at 
under Avram Grant, Sam Allardyce, Eddie Gray, Steve Koppel, and of course the great manager himself, Steve Clark. He's very uh, good. He's a very good manager. He's a very good manager. Very good. But his only previous experience as manager came during a five-game stint at English non-league outfit Welling United in 2017. And bear in mind, he's obviously juggling this role with the Scotland international assistant manager's job as well ah that's easy though that's just doing training sessions that won't be too much hassle I would have thought you think it's pretty simple I would have thought so yeah I mean Steve Clark's doing all the work I think Dyer would just be in charge of the Muddy Knees Media to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. We're back after our winter break and we've moved to Tuesday. Tuesday? What day? Yes, Tuesday. We're back. This week we dissect Daniel Stendhal's open heart surgery. Kelly hoping to turn their dire results into Dyer's results. And there was a Glasgow grab from Christie, but Rangers walked away kings of Celtic Park for the first time since 2010. Plus, we'll be previewing the Scottish Cup as Bonnie and Clyde take centre stage and Steve Hislop, you know him, he played eight times for Gillingham, will tell us all about his team, Broxburn Athletic, as they get ready to face St Mirren. I'm Andrew Slavin, and as ever, I'm joined by the most enthusiastic man in any room he's in. It's JJ Bull from The Telegraph. Hello. Enthusiastic as ever. Well, I had to do it. He set me up. <laughs> and here, with reasons to be cheerful, it's European football expert Kieran Canning. Why am I cheerful? Your cause. Because I was going to say, if, if JJ is the most enthusiastic man in every room, am I now just a dour Scot to, <laughs> go, to balance him out? Well, you can change that. You can change that now. And for the first time ever on the Totally Scottish Football Show, it is actually Totally Scottish because our new producer, Abby, has a passport that says birthplace Livingston. And that's what we need, is it? We just the only Scottish. Get rid of the like our, our real xenophobes. That's what we need to be. The thing is, I think, <laughs> I think this is Brexit Britain in twenty twenty. Yeah, JJ, <laughs> get on board or get out. Abby got Abby got on board as soon as she found out Livingston's uh, stadium was the basically the spaghetti had the Tony Macaroni. <laughs> there you go, um, JJ. A, a wee birdie told me that you've been speaking to someone who doesn't play football in Scotland but is Scottish. Are you talking about Andy Robertson? Yeah. Ah, I see. Oh, yes. Me and me how, how is he? How's he doing? Well, this, to put this in context, me and Kieran were both working at the Spurs-Liverpool game the other did day. Did you meet up outside of the studio? We did, yeah. We were talking football, work football. And over, then, over uh, the free buffet, it should be pointed out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of buffet was there? A football buffet. And then, uh, <laughs> and then at full time, Kieran went and did the press conferences with the managers, which is really fun. And um, I just Were you went, just watching him this whole time? Yeah. And T- I went to the tucking mix zone. into the football buffet and just watching Kieran work. And I went to the mix zone, and then um, Andy Robertson came out, and we had a little chat with him with all the for the dailies, the Mondays. Oh, cool! What did he say? Uh, he said some things about how he doesn't drink during the season at all, which is kind of obvious. But in the two weeks during the summer, he definitely gets on might. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I asked him. I, I basically, basically saying that even if we do qualify for Euro twenty twenty, <laughs> Andy Robertson just going to be blitzed the whole tournament. A oh, man, I would pay to watch Andy Robertson spanner like playing against Israel. It'd be great. <laughs> it can't be any worse than half the players have got. Um, and I asked him how he, if he thinks his game has changed since he got this, the captaincy at Scotland, and he uh, says that sort of. Mm. So he takes bits and pieces. He's not really like close to being captain of Liverpool, but he's definitely changed the way he thinks about it when he's on the pitch. But yeah, that's all I've got for you. That's interesting. Not particularly fascinating. There you that's go. okay. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power.
but it, it's been a it's been a really long time since we were last together. You know, Christmas and New Year's happened. So much is going on, but we should catch up on everything that's happened. So we should really start with matters at the top of the table. Rangers won at Celtic Park for the first time since 2010. 2-1, thanks to Nikola Katic, she's 56th minute header. Another good spot in the game for Rangers. Barisic asking the question again. Katic, he's done it! Cracking header! And Rangers hit the front again! They have the lead once more on this day of destiny in the title race! Kieran, you were at this game. I was, yes. Yeah, it was kind of a strange game to to analyse. It's a bit like I've, I've, there was now been three Celtic Rangers games this season, and it seems to be as soon as one team seems to be getting on top, the other one scores. So mm-hmm. obviously there was the League Cup final where Rangers dominated, had all the chances. Celtic ended up winning. The first half of this game more or less followed that pattern. Like Rangers were, were far the better team, but again, just as Celtic were coming into it. Getting on top, uh, they missed the penalty. Obviously, Rangers went up the park and and scored. I think that was just the major difference of of this game to the to the League Cup final. That Rangers had fewer chances, but were probably still the the better team and and took them this time round. And it was interesting because we normally think of cup finals as people always say about cup finals. You know, they're there to win. It doesn't matter how you play as long as you win. Whereas actually, the speaking to the Gerard in the, the press conference and there was a few Rangers players afterwards as well. They took so much from that League Cup final, even though they lost. Mm. So much confidence that they can beat Celtic. Because the way they played, like and, and result, yeah. then getting over the line and actually winning this game gives them even more confidence going into the second half of the season. I think it, it could really be the the turning point in, in the title race because going into this game, I probably like many thought that Rangers are really close now, um, but maybe Celtic are just going to get over the line. They had a, the two, well, they had a five point advantage and Rangers had a, a, a game in hand. Um, but Celtic had won that game. It goes to eight points. You think realistically the title might be gone for Rangers? Now it's in back in Rangers' hands. If they win their game in hand, they they go ahead of Celtic. And interestingly, like they had a really hard December in terms of the fixtures. Whereas now coming back in after the Scottish Cup this weekend, like five of Rangers' next seven league games are at home. Five of Celtic's next seven are away. So there's a chance for Rangers to actually build up a bit of a lead. And there was a bit of controversy after this game because a lot of it's been spoken about already. But Ryan Christie has been banned for two games for grabbing Morelos by the balls. Um, deemed worthy of brutality. So let's get to the meat and two veg of this hey. one. <laughs> Is two games a correct ban? I presume it's for each ball. <laughs> oh God. I can't take credit for that one. That was all Abby. That was class. The the thing about it is, I think the precedent was set when Stephen McLean got banned for uh, grabbing Kwasi. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I remember that. Uh, what did he get? What did he get banned for that? He was got two games two as well. well yeah. um, so there is a precedent. So the precedent. For it. The only thing I would say different about this one, like the, the Stephen McLean one, that was a dead dead ball. So he <laughs> grabbed him by the balls. So there was there was no action. Whereas this one, it almost looks as if like Christie goes to just normally pull him down, not pull him down by the balls. But then there is also a a bit of a grab there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually don't think it's going to affect... Well, it could affect Celtic that he's not playing, but he's an injury doubt anyway, so in terms of the ban, the games he's going to miss, sure, he probably won't play anyway. But um, And I think it's going to actually be a three-game ban because he already got sent off once this season. So, But it's ironic, that injury as well, because it's a groin injury. Hey, There you go. <laughs> a nice end to all of that. Well, not for Christie. I mean, all the fallout's done now, but there was an odd kind of moment 
uh, earlier this week. And I want to know what your reaction is to when Steven Gerrard was saying, I would love the Scottish League to filter into the English leagues, all of them to save and help the Scottish game. This was him speaking to Jamie Carragher, his former Liverpool teammate, on Carragher's podcast, The Greatest Game. He went on to say, can you picture now a Premier League with those two clubs, basically Celtic and Rangers? It's just bizarre that he mentions the Scottish League's filtering in and then goes immediately to Celtic and Rangers. I don't think it's bizarre at all. I mean, you've got to put it in context. We're looking at it from the Scottish angle and if you imagine from outside of it, people just don't, especially in England, just don't care. Do you think it's been... And the numbers are huge. Like, look, Rangers and Celtic are like two of the most supported clubs in Europe, if not the world. Like, they are. I don't want to have to talk about them all the time. <laughs> but uh, they are the big teams in Scotland. Like, you can't get away from it. And the better they do in Europe, the better it is for everyone else because it does make the coefficient better. Blah, 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 blah. But I don't think it's bizarre what Gerard's saying. It makes total sense. And also, you can't pick apart the actual words he's saying. He's not like a poet writing down words explicitly choosing each one. He's just saying it would... I mean, he goes to games against like Livy, and a, you know, there's a thousand people turn up to watch it. Hamilton, they've got a plastic pitch. Like, it's just all this stuff that is not great, and uh, I don't see it as being a totally bad thing. The idea of it merging slightly. Do you, do you disagree with Derek McInnes then? Because Derek McInnes came out and kind of defence of Scottish football. He said, "I think we have a good level in the league at the minute." I understand Stephen's comments, but I don't particularly agree with them. Rangers and Celtic have a real obligation to make the Scottish League as strong as possible, as we all have. We have to live within our means to do that. Scottish football doesn't need to be saved, but we all have an obligation to make it even better. The word saved is the, is the wrong word. I think I think he would take that back if he'd have the choice. I can't speak for Gerard, but that's probably not, not the right thing, right? Not to get my Jimmy hat and my kilt on, crack open a can of iron brew, but... I mean, I just wonder <laughs> why you're wearing them. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, does, it, it does very much sound like, you know, uh, an English solution to perceived Scottish problems um, and as I say like the, the it is their job to save us isn't what, it yeah. what, what the the bit that didn't really make sense from Gerard, as you say is that he kind of made that comment I think it was a sort of throwaway comment he wasn't really thinking because he doesn't go into any detail of how that would actually work in terms of how the Scottish leagues yeah. would filter into yeah. to the English leagues um, it's not going to happen if it was going to happen it would have happened you know, twenty, thirty years ago, at the start of the, I know how to do league. it. It could be like the um, the Highland League and the Lowland League, so they have a playoff to get into the uh, <laughs> into the bottom. So the Scottish <laughs> leagues become part of the English pyramid system. Yeah, and we go back to being subservient to uh, the English. <laughs> oh God, I date to win. Well, that oh, I'm not even going to go into it. It's too, it's, it hurts my head. It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter. This is all the, just conjecture. The one thing I would chat. say, the only thing that is going that potentially is going to change, it won't be going to the English leagues, is if there's some sort of European league shakeup. How are Celtic and Rangers involved in that? You would yeah. imagine they would not go into the first tier of it, but if there was a second tier, then they could go into that. All the discussions I've seen around European leagues is that even if there is a some type of European breakaway or more of a league format than the Champions League, that the domestic leagues will run alongside that. So they wouldn't be leaving Scottish football. And also, sadly for the likes of JJ, if that were to happen, it would just mean Celtic and Rangers would have even more money. Mm-hmm. And even if they concentrated their resources on the European League or whatever comes of that, then their reserve teams would be still be good enough to. Uh, and win the thing as well, right? If Rangers decided left the league, I mean they're not going to. But if they left, and then what would happen? Well, it wouldn't be their choice. Well, if they had a choice, they would have been gone already. Well, I mean, whatever the, the thing is, but like if they if they went away, it would end up being that Aberdeen probably finished top, and then like right now Motherwell below them, and then you quickly establish. Like Hearts and Hibs would be in that top four, and then they'd probably pull away 
from the rest of the team. You might have this similar sort of situation where it's just two teams who always win it yeah. again and again. The whole thing, the money's ruined everything. It's ruined the world. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, let's, that, that quote from McInnes as well, saying that Rangers and Celtic should want to, to level the playing field in, in the league. That's I, I totally agree with that because if they are just dominating it and winning it every week, it's just pony and you can't have that. You want it to be more level. The only way is to have some sort of way in to distribute money equally even the Champions League if you get, even once the money you earn from that is like the I mean the prize money is more than like Aberdeen well yeah it's like 20 million just yeah, for qualifying yeah. but then it's harder to qualify nowadays you've seen Celtic yeah no, but it is but what, the one struggle. thing I would say is you see in the European qualifiers every year particularly in the, the Champions League it's the same teams every year because I mean, even for example losing in the playoff round before before the group stage of the Champions League is now worth five million, so even teams that are getting to that level, a bit, bit less in Scotland, but you know, in a lot of the sort of you know, Bulgarian leagues, Romanian leagues, and Celtic played against Cluj, for example, the same teams are just getting that money in, which is way more than a lot of teams in the league. So you just get the same champions over and over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's face it, we've spoken about Celtic and Rangers enough. So enough. Let's move on to the bigger stories away from Glasgow and let's go to the capital where hearts are breaking. Yep, Glenn Whelan's gone. Christoph Berra just got married and then two days later, he's pretty much gone because yeah, he's, been, sucks he's yeah. been pretty much forced to train with the reserves. And the strong suggestion is that they're not, they're not really done yet. Daniel Stendhal says he's looking to lift hearts from the depths of despair. Sounds like an album title. I've ever heard one from like Meatloaf or something. Quick thoughts on that, guys. What do you think? Do you think he's doing the right thing? Do you think he's sending the right message? I think he's because the fact is, Christoph Berra is a bit of a legend at the club. I wouldn't say, I don't mean legend in the stalwart. fact that he's done so much. It's stalwart. You know, he'd been there as a, I think it was he, there as a young kid, came <clears> through <throat> the youth level there, was captain at a young age, I think one of the youngest captains at Hearts at 22, then left, went down to the Championship, got promoted at Wolves, came back to Hearts and done so much for the club, and even he himself has kind of suggested that Daniel Stendhal's, you know, been a bit disrespectful towards him. Yeah, I think the, the problem isn't so much does he want to move out players like Berra and, and Whelan, because we spoke about this a bit when Stendhal came in at first, that the way he wants to play this idea of you know pressing high, playing with a high back line, which means you know you really need pacey defenders, which Berra certainly isn't. They, all those players maybe don't fit into the style of football that he wants to play. So, so moving them on, nothing wrong with that at all. I think the problem is the way it's been handled, the fact that both players have come out publicly and spoken about it. You've got John Daly, who's a, a former coach there now as well, who's kind of been sidelined by Stendhal, was on the radio the other night. He said, he said, his handling of the club so far has been embarrassing. So it's not... But then this comes back to the whole prob, structural problem at, at Hearts. If at the start, he Stendhal was coming in and had his own coaches in place and the previous coaching teams were all moved out, then a lot of these problems wouldn't be happening or something wouldn't be coming you know, out in the, in the public eye. But because they've botched it at almost every stage in terms of sacking Levine but leaving him in and around the club, Having such a long time between Levine leaving and then hiring Stendhal, not giving Stendhal his coaches at the first I mean, as soon as they came in, and the, the problems just got worse and worse and worse, both on and off the field, because the results have been terrible since Stendhal came in as well. You still think, 
surely with their resources and everything that they'll be able to at, le- at the very minimum get themselves off the bottom and and into the the promotion relegation playoff but the more these things go on the bad feeling there is around the club there's no sign of things turning around and you think now Stendhal, if he's going to get rid of these players, is going to want some of his own his own players in. But Hearts are continuously just wasting huge amounts of money. So, so uh, what resources is so, he going to so, have? I mean, it's hard for Stendhal to even get his foot in the door properly when the people that he's trying to move are going out publicly and kind of slamming him. Well, another problem you've got is, um, see, it depends what... Well, the word's not culture, but um, the way the... the clubs the squad is set up so if Berra is captain right and really important then if other players see that he is now getting dingied and isn't uh, you know he's vulnerable he's not safe that either says that they like oh I've got to buck up my ideas now or it means that they start to lose faith with the manager because they're treating the person they look up to as uh, as expendable so that's not great but what it looks like he wants to do is bring players in like Kieran saying to play that style of football but then that's more more like movement in the in the squad you can't get any cohesion and I mean look at them they're sitting five points off at the bottom you'd never thought that at the start mm-hmm. one big thing is that because they bought in that boy uh, Jorg Sievers Jorge George Jorg 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 uh, Jorg Sievers he's coming as the assistant manager now so at least he's got that so that means he'll be able to help him with you know setting up his training sessions getting that, all that done properly and yeah that. they work together at Hanover and you so, might see an improvement because yeah. if Sendel wants to put in that style of play, he can't just do it on his own. If the coaches don't know how to coach the way he wants to coach, I mean that you know it's kind of simple. And the players will hopefully improve with that. He's got rid of ones like Whelan who's just slow, can't do what he wants to do. We'll see how it comes along, but it does seem like a bit of a mess. I'd feel bad if I was a Hearts fan because like the team on the pitch tends tends to represent what is going on at the top of the of the club. Like the chairman, I can't. A football manager told me I can't remember which one it was. But if you if you, you have speak a, to so many, I know <laughs> still popular. But if it, if it, the the clubs in disarray at the top, you see it on the pitch as well. And it's why the best run teams, the rest from clubs, tend to be quite stable and solid and do well. Well, JJ, you'd feel bad if you were a Hearts fan. Let's hear from an actual fan about all the drama. Amaruso lets it run a Hearts YouTube channel, aka Scott McIntosh, joins us now. So what the f*** is happening at Hearts? I mean, where do you start, really? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, it's even even my moral compass now as a football <laughs> fan has been so messed up in the last few weeks. Like I'm, I'm basically now just blowing off anything that happens with HR. Like, oh yeah, we can definitely sack people through WhatsApp groups. It's fine. We just need, to, we just basically need to just stave off relegation. So anything goes just now. I think according to most fans. So I mean, Stendhal's starting to perform a bit of surgery at Hearts. He's what he's removed Christoph Berra um, who's now playing for the reserves I think and he's got rid of the likes of John Daly and these are two people who have kind of slammed what he's doing is that maybe just a bit of them being disgruntled at the change that they've been forced to make compared to the likes of you know you get Craig Halkett coming out and saying that he's being a positive energy around the club is that not is, there's a lot of contradictory messages coming from Hearts yeah, there's definitely does seem to be sort of mixed messages, and as you alluded to there, there is a difference between the likes of Craig Halkett, who has just recently been promoted up to captain, Connor Washington, it's just came back from injury. They've mentioned that they're enjoying the coaching again, which didn't seem to be the narrative from a lot of players when mm-hmm. they were, you know, having to do their media duties during the last six months. So there definitely does seem to be a difference. I mean, in terms of John Daly, 
the main perception or rumours amongst sort of heart supporters was that John Daly wasn't very you know vastly rated by the players even when Craig Levine was still in charge so there isn't a huge sort of surprise in the fact that John Daly wasn't happy about being sort of shown the door after one training session and because he you know the situation we're in just now being bottom of the league five points adrift going into the winter break we kind of almost just seem to be saying well yep getting ready players by WhatsApp, letting players go that have served the club during two spells with a, a great degree of distinction. It's not things that you'd want to see happen, generally speaking, but I think we're just trying to give the new manager the the reassurance of knowing that, you know, it's fine. Do what you need to do just now to clear the decks and, you know, we will support you. But obviously at the end of the season, if it hasn't worked, naturally some of the decisions that have been taken in the last couple of weeks, we may need to look at again. You tweeted to say the media narrative has been focusing on, you know, this ruthless streak uh, that Stendhal has been has been undertaking. Um, but do you kind of feel like you're and other fans endearing yourself towards it? Do you think it's the right decisions that he's making? And are you feeling that there's some sort of? Can you see the difference that he's made so far on the pitch? Because you know he's not won yet. Yeah, I w- I would say so. I have seen the difference and and hasn't always came about in results but more just individual performances so Sean Clare is probably the best example of someone who was talked about and raved about by the previous management but they seemed incapable of getting the best out of him. Now he's actually being played in a position that's very alien to him at right wing Mm, back but he's actually improved in terms of his overall performance. He's wanting the ball he's now looking for the ball, he just looks like a more assured player so there is definitely, you know, chinks of light there but yeah, in terms of the overall, you know, results, that does need to change and it does need to change quite drastically, to be perfectly honest. But in terms of just going back to the narrative about Stendhal, I fully back his decisions. I suppose it's been how some of those decisions have come about, which is probably what's maybe concerned some certain sections of the support. So again, if you go back to Christoph Berra, I actually understand why you would put someone in the reserves if you've got no plans and playing them in the first team because there's no point having them about even in first team training if they're not going to influence the match days but I suppose you know if you if you look at it on an individual basis and he is our captain he has served the club well during two spells it probably wasn't handled the best in terms of you know on a PR basis Yeah can Hearts fans sometimes be maybe a bit too sentimental you know if anyone's thinking that it's the wrong decision. Actually, you need to realise that the the place that you're in at the moment, it, it needs things to change quickly and that you need to get new signing, signings in to play the way that Stendhal wants. And now you've got a new assistant manager to help that kind of happen. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, if you just roll back sort of five and a half years ago when when Anne Budge and Craig Levine came through the door, within 24 hours, Gary Lott was relieved of his duties. Uh, there was other players, you know, let go like Jamie McDonald, Ryan Stevenson, who again had served the club well. Now, at that time, that was viewed to be, a, you know, a, a bit of a risky, uh, you know, decision to, to make so quickly. But, Again, you know, the proof was in the pudding. We got we got promoted within 12 months and it was seen to be an overall the best decision for the club. Gary Locke's now back at the club as well. So mm. I, f- I think, albeit everyone's maybe a little bit upset by the way it's been handled, I think generally speaking, these decisions have to be made. And one of the reasons, again, why these decisions are being made is because Anne Budge has shown too much blind loyalty to people in the past, like Craig Levine. So we can't be seen to be making these mistakes again because it isn't going to bode well for the club in six months' time. 
Scott McIntosh from Amarusel lets it run. Final piece of big news for you is Kilmarnock have appointed Alex Dyer till the end of the season, replacing Angelo Alessio. So far, they've lost all three of their fixtures 1 0 when Dyer was interim. Dyer has coached at under Avram Grant, Sam Allardyce, Eddie Gray, Steve Koppel, and of course the great manager himself, Steve Clark. He's very uh, good. He's a very good he's manager. Very good manager. Very good. But his only previous experience as manager came during a five-game stint at English non-league outfit Welling United in 2017. And bear in mind, he's obviously juggling this role with the Scotland international assistant manager's job as well. Ah, that's easy though. That's just doing training sessions. That won't be too much hassle, I would have thought. You think it's pretty simple? I would have thought so, yeah. I mean, Steve Clark's doing all the work. I think Dyer would just be in charge of the actual training. Yeah. Like, he'd be doing sessions and, and planning with Clark on how to do that. And that's just what he's able to do very well. He's really well regarded for that. I mean, Dyer's came in and he's basically said he's going to go back to what was good before. But he was already part of the setup anyway. So I wonder if he was trying to say that to Alessio in the first place. And the problem is that they want to go back to what they were doing before. You need the players in that he had. That he says he's desperate to get new attackers in. I mean, that's what the record quote is missing. I'm not sure if actually said desperate at any point. <laughs> but uh, he, they want to bring in new players. They, they've got a tiny budget. Oh, it's so odd. I mean, it's, it seems so typical of I think Scottish football. This is a bit of a dig actually in general, but how all right, Stevie Gerrard. Yeah, I know they're getting rid mm-hmm. of. So they get rid of Angelo Alessio, right? For all the reasons, and it sounds like it was a right decision to get rid. And they go back to go back to the way it was. We need to go back to the way it was. Stay there. It was safer there. He lost his first three games in charge. There's not an awful lot of difference in the football. I, was I mean, say, it was I Rangers. D- I don't not- think there's, there was an awful lot of difference in the football from when Alessio was there either. Like Small it, amounts, like it passes per game stuff. Yeah. That's it. Like a slightly higher line. It wasn't else. like Alessio completely changed the game plan and started playing, you know, 4-3-3 and bombing forward all the time. You know, the, there was a spell. The spell that Alessio had that was really successful was because they had like five or six games in a row without conceding a goal. In October when yeah. he got manager of the month. So And and the the three games that, that Dyer's had, they've lost 1-0 every time. So as JJ says, the the problems are pretty obvious. They're, quite, they're still quite um, solid defensively. They don't concede that many goals, but they don't have either the the creativity in midfield um, or the the strikers to to put the ball in net and unless they address that in January I don't think stylistically there's an awful lot he's going to change well yeah it's just Kilmarnock the joint second worst offence in the Scottish Premiership and you know Eamon Brophy as much as he was prolific for the first half of the season last last campaign um, he's not had Greg Stewart uh, supporting him this season and that's that's a big issue that they have to rectify it's the, in this transfer window they have to find a striker yeah and if, I mean if, if Dyer is a good coach it's different to being a good manager but the the problem seems to have been communication before now he might be able to give them a straighter like, line on what they're meant to be doing so people understand what they're up to but you look like for all you can say about what, oh he lost his games and how good he's going to be I mean the Motherwell game he lost was a free kick really good goal can't do anything about the, the game against St Mirren was just a long punt and they didn't defend it very well it's things that you can get rid of but they're going to be involved in so many games that just go like nil-nil and they swing off the back of one little mistake mm-hmm. and it's players make a difference it's not like your structure and then you can do with coaching it's just players doing individual things that change a game so that's what they need to do and Kamarak have got Celtic when they come back to action oh dear Park. so I'm sure it will get off to a flyer I'm Jose Mourinho I know a thing or two about being special. Football pundits who actually understand management, special. Winning the little jackpot on Paddy Power Games, not special. Understood, Jose. 
Yes, someone wins an average £40,000 jackpot every single day. So if you win, don't think you're special. Daily Jackpots by Paddy Power Games. Jackpots must be awarded by 11pm and vary from day to day. Jackpot is shared with other operators. Available on selected games. T's and C's at paddypower.com. 18plusbegumbleware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. So the winter break is over and coming up it's the Scottish Cup and the Premiership teams have entered. We're only picking out a few fixtures here or else we'll be here till Friday. So it's a timely moment to remind you that we've moved to Tuesdays. You're welcome by the way. So loads of matches happening, but we've gone with four key fixtures. So let's start with Dundee United versus Hibs, guys. Championship runaway leaders versus the middling Premiership side who have struggled for kind of consistency. But I'd like to focus on Dundee United. Is this is this a big fixture? Not just in a, the fact that it's a cup game, but almost as a a kind of measuring stick as to where they want to be next season because they are bossing it in the championship yeah yes. exactly I think it's, for me it's sort of, there's some other ties that with low league teams high league teams that are maybe a bit more romantic in terms of the, the cup draw but I think this is the tie of the round Dundee United as you say absolutely smashing it in the championship they're coming back up I don't think there's any doubt about that and not only should they come back up they're not going to be one of these teams that comes up and thinks right when you think about survival I think straight away they'll be thinking can we challenge for the the top six and this will be a yeah, very good measuring stick of of how they measure up to a team in Hibs who should I think in by the end of the season finish in top six they haven't had the greatest of seasons but since Jack Ross has come in they have improved even if they have struggled a bit for consistency as you, as you say so I, I think I'm really looking forward to this one it'd be interesting as well to see how Shanklin does because there's all the talk about I mean, how how great a signing he's been for Dundee United, but why did he not go mm-hmm. to a, a Premiership club? And you know, can he do it against Premiership opposition? So yeah, I think that'd be a. I mean, he could go in January. He could go this month. Well, I've that... even rumours that like Celtic were after him, but I think mm-hmm. that's made up. Yeah, yeah Celtic Rangers have been linked with him. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I was speaking to Dundee United fan because there's this, uh, this thing also about how Dundee United have massively overspent comparative to what they bring in this season. Um, obviously with the the idea of doing what they have done in the championship and absolutely guaranteeing that they, they come up. But there's a risk obviously attached to that in terms of the, the the finances of the club. And one of the things that he said to me was that the signing of Shankland was part of that. that the idea was that they bought Shankland on a free from air but put him on a huge contract with the idea that you know, hopefully he would do what he has done and that they would sell him on for a decent fee some point down the line. I think what you're saying is right because they're so far ahead in the championship they could get away with now selling them and they'll be confident of going up but I think it's probably more likely that he stays until the summer yeah other thing they could do is as well is they kept him until the summer and then played next season with him in the premiership they're probably going to go up and then suddenly you're going to have loads of English championship clubs sniffing around and you get far more money I mean, you could I mean if Aberdeen were to sell Sam Cosgrove you'd think maybe they'd look at someone like Shanklin but having already left a club maybe that wouldn't be the answer I don't think he'd move to somewhere like Hearts just now, but it's kind of weird. When I think he's he's certainly proved many doubters 
uh, wrong because when he was out here, he was the main man. Yeah. And when he moved to Dundee United, it was almost like, can he achieve the same success at a bigger club with y- that extra yeah. pressure? Y- yes and no. But it's still, it's still the same level he's playing at and the Premiership is the key for him. And exactly. I think it would, it would probably be good for him to stay and for him to make that decision rather than let any rumours kind of fly around that he might be on the off. Yeah, that's that's why I think that even just this game against Hebs, I think is a good it's good to see how he gets on because as you say, the although he moved to a bigger club, he stayed in the same division, so yeah. we still don't really know what level he's capable of playing at. And what about Hibs? Is is this probably good for them to just try out something different, even try some new players that they haven't tried yet? Um, no, you got so every single club outside of Rangers and Celtic. This is the only way you can really win something after the League Cup's gone. So they'll all be like trying it. I mean, you've got. Jack Ross will be more focused on getting in top six and establishing the, the team and building that a cup run's good whereas like Aberdeen I mean Derek McInnes come out and said that he's on a crusade I think he said <laughs> <laughs> taking swords into this game against Dumbarton because <laughs> uh, that's that's the silverware you've got to deliver silverware otherwise you're going to feel you but Jack Ross was just in the door it doesn't matter if you got something that would really help I mean you saw the boost Aberdeen got getting to that League Cup final and winning it in 13-14 I think it was yeah mm-hmm. 12-13 I can't remember um, but that's the kind of thing that you'd, you'd want from it the, sh- but, the shame of it is now that at that stretch that you're talking about when Aberdeen won it there was a when, when Rangers were down the leagues there was a really good run of a lot of different teams in Scotland winning a cup so yeah. Ross County St Johnston Cali, Inverness yeah. Aberdeen and that's sort of dried up as when Rangers came back up Celtic up their game and now both of them were so strong it's not just that you would have to someone would have to like shock Celtic a couple of years ago is what, and it happened quite a lot when, when Rangers were down the leagues it's now both of them need to, to go out for someone else to, to come through so it does make it really difficult for for those teams that are, that are aspiring to win some silverware. But yeah, I think all of your Motherwell, Aberdeen, Hebs, Kilmarnock, Livingston, even should be really targeting this competition. Was it like two, three wins and suddenly you're at Hamden? Do you know, it's not not but, too difficult. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, the, just talking about this game, it's, you know, Hebs aren't the favourites in this, I don't think. Because you, you look at Dundee United, unbeaten since October, I think it is. It's a, a fantastic run they're on and Hibs as they are under Jack Ross they're they're very fragile um, United I, I, are basically I, a premiership team already yeah yeah exactly um, but listen we should move on and talk about St Mirren versus Broxburn Athletic um, we all know about St Mirren uh, we talked about them a lot uh, all season but what about the team who play in the east of Scotland League Premier Division fortunately we have Steve Hislop manager of Broxburn Athletic here to tell us all about the underdog side so Stephen tell us about your season so far how's it been going and how excited are you uh, to be still part of the Scottish Cup yeah it's been going well it's going well you know it's this will be our seventh game now in the Scottish Cup and it's uh... It's, it's certainly uh, taken the club and the, the town uh, to a, a whole new chapter and level. So it's been fantastic for everybody involved. It's unfortunately well, we're taking a, a an eye off the league a little bit in between the uh, cup cup rounds. But uh, you know, it's you can't you can't have you can't have everything. And uh, but uh, we're certainly enjoying enjoying where we are at the moment. We're really looking forward to Saturday. Yeah, sixth in the league, which is that is that a good place to be at the moment going into the Scottish Cup? You know, thinking as well that you've had your weekend game postponed. Uh, you were supposed to play in Linlithgow this weekend, weren't you? Yeah, that was right. I, d- I don't know if that's a blessing in disguise or not because we've got quite a few injuries. So uh, 
I would really have liked the game on just to get a really competitive game before before St Mirren. But um, we've obviously been off, as I say, it might have been a blessing disguise that we've avoided another injury that we certainly don't need uh, ahead of this game. But to be six in the league, you no, know, I'm a wee bit disappointed. I'd, I'd, I think uh, we should probably be a wee bit higher up, as I say, but I think we've taken our eye off the ball a little bit, uh, which I don't blame the players for at all. Uh, just uh, with the Scottish Cup run that we're, that we're having at the moment. Do you have any uh, plans like, of special preparation for the game? Are you going to play it a different way to how you normally do? What are you telling the players? Well, Jim Goodwin, Goodwin's listening. We're, playing, we're going out all out attack, but probably not. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're going 3-5-2. No, no, I don't know. We, we, we'll, be planning, we'll be planning sessions. Uh, well, as I say, I'm just on the way to training just now and that will be uh, an interesting session for the players because We've done our homework, we've done our due diligence. Uh, Brian, the manager, has went to watch them three times. I have a contact at Hearts that's gave me information, but I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing with the way Hearts. <laughs> I better be careful what I say because I'm a jambo. But, uh, <laughs> uh, they gave us information, so whatever they've told us, we're doing the exact opposite. And uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, We've done our due diligence, but the, the biggest problem I think we've got is that St Mirren have just went out and you know got a player in from Norwich and a couple of the court City, so you know we don't know, we don't actually know who's going to be playing for them, and, and I know I've read Jim's reports in the papers, and he's seen all the right things, saying that they'll give us all the respect that we deserve, and they'll play a strong team, blah 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 blah. But you know they've got Rangers on Tuesday, so I can imagine they'll have one eye on that. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be a wee bit more competitive and a harder game than, than playing us, but you never know. So, but yes, yes, we will we will have a, a formation and plan. I'm not telling you. <laughs> wise, very wise. Look at I'm, what, what, couple, I'm coming out of retirement. There you go. Tell John Gooden. <laughs> well, so, I, I mean, I, I, I can't I, um, admit that I've, I've ever seen um, Broxburn Athletic play. But tell me about the club. What's the support like? Is it going to be a strong support going over to St Mirren Park? Is it going to be the twelfth man and all that jazz? Well, to be honest, they have been fantastic. They have been fantastic. As the cups, you know, as we've reached later stages in the cup, there's definitely been more supporters coming to our games. You know, sometimes you get 200, 300, and again, it all depends on who the opposition is. But, you know, the last few games in the Scottish Cup, when we went up to Averuri, it was. They took over the place. They, no. <laughs> they took over the town. <laughs> I'm not going to say they trashed it, but they, 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 they enjoyed themselves there. That's where I went. And to I got a little bit trashed in that. And I got I got myself in a wee bit of trouble at the weekend there because I said if you're a professional burglar, Broxmore's the place to go on Saturday. Oh. <laughs> We've, we've sold out our allocation in, uh, of just under 1,700. Um, so it's, quite, it's, it's great. It's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I just talked about the 1,700 turn up when we play Crossgates the week after. And what, what's it been like for you as a manager being on this run? Because you've beaten some big names. Cowdenbeath, East Stirlingshire, uh, to mention a few. Yeah. Is this, is it, how is it like measuring yourself up against... Jim Goodwin as well, who's kind of came through the lower leagues to, to get into the, yeah, the top-level I mean, football? We had, the first two games were, were preliminary rounds, and, and they, were the, they were probably the only teams that were lower ranked than us, you know, in terms of, of all the ties. And then we've got to East Stirling, and uh, I mean, I was a wee bit disappointed to draw because I thought it was, uh, it, was a, it was a real tough one, but we did again. People think you just turn up when you're part time. You just, you know, you just turn up to train and play games and don't really do much. But uh, we, again, we, we've done our due diligence in every single team we've played and. 
we've worked out their weaknesses and, and, and it's worked, you know, and we've, we've played East Stirling and beat them. The county beef one was just incredible. Mm. I mean, we, we equalised one minute to go, but even uh, Gary Bowen said it would be an injustice if we had taken something out of the game. And then they came to our park and we, you know, we steamrolled them 3-0 and, and missed a penalty. And then Baruri Locos, again, you could say in the, in the grand scheme of things, they're a higher team than us in the, in the tiers of Scottish football. And we rode our luck. I will be honest. We rode our luck in the in the first uh, in the first uh, sorry in the, in the first half, and then we came we came stronger, and, and you know we, we got the winner. And where we are, you know, you know we've, we deserve to be where we are, in my opinion. But this uh, this is going to be a real tough one, real tough, tough one. You talk about being part time. How much contact do you have with the players of week to week? Is it one session, two sessions, more than that? And <laughs> we've got two sessions. Yeah, we, we train. We normally train a Tuesday and Thursday, but we're getting our pitch relayed. So I change it to Monday, Wednesday, which I'm not really a fan of. It's too long for me to wait for a Wednesday to a Saturday. But um, no, we work a lot. As I say, a lot of people sometimes think with part-time football, you just turn up and maybe do a bit of running and then just play games. A wee bit more structured than that, a wee bit more structured than that. And the players are taking it on board. And, you know, I've, I've got to do my homework too as well. That's... Pretend I'm at work sometimes, but I'm watching uh, teams on teams on my computer <laughs> and, and, and planning sessions. But uh, you know, no, no, you know, tonight's will be uh, everything. You know, in the last two, two weeks of training sessions, have been a wee bit of disguised. You know, training sessions heading towards St Mirren, albeit we've tried to tell the players we're not playing St Mirren this week. We're playing, I don't know, Lithgow Rose, or the week before it was uh, it was Blackburn, but. I was a wee bit sneaky. I was my training sessions were planned a wee bit towards Simran for this week and how we're going to play and uh, and how to address certain situations which might arise in the game. Steve Heslop there, manager of Broxburn Athletic. Let's move on. East Kilbride versus BSC Glasgow. Definitely the romantic tie of the round both from the Lowland League. BSC are fourth and East Kilbride are eighth, so the away team come into this probably as the favourites, you'd think. Yeah, it's a strange one because obviously East Kilbride came so close to going up last season. Yes. Obviously. They played Cove in the final. Yeah. Like they won the Lowland League and then obviously there's a playoff between the, the Lowland League and the Highland League uh, winners. But yeah, they're like 20 points off the, the top of the Lowland League this season. And BSC Glasgow were kind of very recently formed team. Um, I'd Say I hadn't, didn't know that much about them until like this this Scottish Cup uh, run, but even though from Glasgow they played their home games in Alloa, so <laughs> a bit of a strange one. But uh, yeah, I think it'd be great for obviously whoever wins this tie is is guaranteed to having a non-league uh, team in the next in the next round of the cup. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I mean, I think I think East Kilbride are under an interim manager as well, Jim Patterson. So I think they've had a bit of a rocky season so far. I always think the most romantic games in these rounds of the cup is when the smaller teams go up to like Premiership stadiums because that must be fun for the players. Like when you had Auchinleck Talbot last season go uh, to Tynecastle, or when you have cameras at Auchinleck Talbot and it looks just funny, ropey. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you can see like it's cause, pretty... it's, yeah, it's because there's no like proper gantries or proper stands. I mean, it's nice stands, it's but it's so nice low level yeah. that yeah, you can't. I mean, you, I don't know how these teams do analysis because you need like a high angle. Um, to even see how the a formation is, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's quite fun. 
And finally, it's Bonnie Rig Rose versus Clyde, the real romantic tie, because it's the Bonnie and Clyde tie. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't help We're it. We're back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the music kind of led me to it. But anyway, just two teams, one from the Lowlands and one from League One, looking to fight it out with each other to progress through to the next round and provide a spectacle for the fans. Ah, Bonnie and Clyde. Whatever happened to them, eh? They both got shot. <laughs> to death. Well, I introduced you as enthusiastic and you just brought so much death to this. I'm just I'm just delivering punchlines. Uh, yeah, very yeah. good. Um, that's all we really wanted to say on that. Um, uh, any other matches you guys are keen on? Aberdeen Dumbarton is going to be a good one. Yeah. I like those sorts of games where the smaller team goes to Aberdeen and inevitably wins. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say I like those ones because Aberdeen are involved. No, I mean, the, other, <laughs> the one in the, the game on the Friday, uh, Sunrar Rangers, well, Rangers Sunrar, I should say, that's a huge game for them going to Ibrox. That'll be, that'll be a good laugh for all the lads. As an Erdrionian, I have to say, Erdrion going to Hearts. Okay. Has probably got the best that, potential upset. Absolutely. Can you imagine if Hearts lose? Can you imagine how like <laughs> off the fans would be if Hearts lose that? It'd be amazing. And, and they have been going. I mean, we talked to them in one of the shows earlier this season. They've been going very well. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's potential there. Time now for the latest odds with our man Lee Price at Paddy Power. Lee, give us the odds on Rangers winning the league, please. Well, tight, very tight. In fact, Rangers are the shortest price they've been for the best part of a decade. They're 11-10 to 10 to win the Scottish Premiership this season. Celtic, though, do remain odds on. They're 4-6. to six. We still think they're going to carry on their running streak. But Rangers are attracting a lot of attention from the punters. And for Hearts to finish bottom in the Premiership? Interesting. We've been deniers for a long time, but it sounds like we've belatedly come round to admitting that Hearts are involved in the relegation battle because they're third favourites to finish bottom at 12 to 5. Hamilton are our favourites to finish bottom. They're 11 to 5, ahead of St Mirren at 9 to 4. Beyond those three teams, no one else really in contention. Next best price is around 10 to 1. It's a free horse race for those bottom two spots. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven and JJ Bull. You know how you've always wanted to see JJ's lovely mug in the flesh? Well, the good news is you can because we're actually coming home. It's going to be great. That's right, in March we'll be taking the low road and be in Scotland for our first ever live shows. We'll be at the Glee Club in Glasgow on Tuesday the 24th of March, followed by the Lemon Tree in Aberdeen on Wednesday the 25th of March. If you want puns and punditry, stats and sarcasm, all the stuff too risky for the regular show, then get yourself some tickets now. To be with us at Glasgow, just go to glee.co.uk forward slash performer forward slash the dash totally dash scottily scottily scottish dash football dash show. And if <laughs> just Google it. Uh, well, yeah. And if you can't handle that, just Google the Totally Scottish Football Show live Aberdeen or Glasgow, depending on where you want to go. That's part and of the Glasgow Comedy Fest as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's us live in person in Scotland. You won't want to miss it. Before we end the show, time for some transfer chat. Yeah. Who's looking good so far? Well, I mean, the big one, surely, is Dylan McGeech's return to uh, Scottish this football. Per- yeah, to Scottish football. He's, He's back at Aberdeen. Yep. Yeah. Uh, is that a good sign? Are you happy with that, Gigi? I think so. I just don't... Like, Kieran said something to me earlier, and I think he might be dead right. It's like, he was really good at Hibs, but was that because he was playing next to John McGinn? <laughs> 
that was at a time when a lot of Hibs fans felt that they had one of the best midfields in the country, really, when it was um, McGinn, McGeoch, and I think Bartley as well. Uh, well, I mean, Aberdeen have needed someone in midfield. So Frinzo Ojo's come in, been injured. It looks like uh, Brewster is just buggered. And you've got that guy from At- At- Atalanta, not Atalanta. Atlanta, Atlanta United, yeah, in America. Gallagher, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, John Gallagher. He's, so he's extended his loan to the end of the season. Uh, just to say on, on McGeoch, I, th- I do actually think he's the type of player that Aberdeen needs because when, when he was at Hibs, McGinn's more than this, but McGinn was very much the energy box-to-box kind of player and McGeoch is much more of a ball player, quite creative. Certainly the type of player I don't think Aberdeen have got at the moment and certainly like especially listening to JJ, the type of player they need in, in the way that they've played this season. Aye. Just the, the MLS made me think of another sort of slightly strange signing that's happened or is going to go through. Lewis Morgan to enter Miami. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which that's is a good one. Bit of a strange one, but um, that's David Beckham's team, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the new team, so they have they have what not move, played though. a game, but what a move! The other one is Fraser Ayer. I think he's at Cove, right? He's uh, apparently on his way to San Francisco. That's a good move. Yeah, I, I would take that. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, <laughs> I would definitely take that. Come one. on, well, you've already got that's quite good. a few Scottish players out there, haven't you? Gary Mackay Stevens. Yeah, Gary Mackay Stevens out, Stephen, out yeah. in the states and, as well. Uh, he was back what, visiting Aberdeen last week, apparently. And, and Ronnie Diala as the new manager of uh, New York City as well. Yeah, the former Celtic manager is now happening. in the MLS. I should point out when I said Brewster's bugger, I meant um, Bryson. I'm just saying weird, weird things today. There's also a little bit of a tug of war between Matty Kennedy, the St Johnston winger. I think it's definitely between Aberdeen or interested. Aberdeen are really keen. Aberdeen have offered a contract. Uh, Hearts might be in it as well. But I wonder whether that is actually that uh, his agent is trying to get a better deal from him from Aberdeen, which is probably where he'll end up going. Yeah. It could be that. That would be a good signing. I I really rate Matty Kennedy. He's good enough to play for either of those teams, if not higher. I, I even remember him when he was at Cardiff City. Um, and Neil Warnock was a big fan of his. I mean, I don't know if that says much. To me. Yeah, the thing about Kennedy, uh, Tommy Wright said yesterday when he was sort of admitting that Hearts are now in contact as well, is that he is very keen from because he's out of contract in the season. That's why so Aberdeen have offered him a contract for next season. Mm-hmm. But he's very keen that he stays at St Johnston at least to the end the end of the season because mm-hmm. just to basically make sure that they stay up. I mean, that makes total sense because Aberdeen might end up losing someone like Ryan Hedges in the summer or something like that if he does better in the second half of the season Aberdeen would probably get bids for McKenna and Cosgrove I'd have thought in this window another one I've heard is that Stephen Donnell his contract's up in the summer mm. so been strong links with him signing a pre-contract Aberdeen as well I don't know how true that is but... Do you know who's been busy? St Mirren have been pretty busy Yeah they need uh, to be Yeah they do um, although probably the standout signing is a defender and probably a standout signing they should have got is, is probably in the forward areas but Akin Famewo is the standout for me really um, on loan from Norwich uh, had a lot of first team football at Luton, Luton Town. Um, you watched him so, play? Uh, I, I haven't seen him play, but I've read quite a lot of reports. And a friend of mine is a is a Norwich fan who kind of keeps up with the track with the youths. I mean, he's been captaining the under twenty threes. He's been on the bench quite a lot, and he's just signed a new three year contract at Norwich. So he's kind of top. He's he's tipped for big things there. But obviously, it's very difficult to break into that side, even though there are defensive injuries. So I think St Mirren could be pretty happy to have him. He's he's quite a big lad, six foot two. And he's a defender, uh, and they're pretty good in defence at the moment already. But I mean, you know, the, yeah, the thing is, like just because they've got new players doesn't mean they're any good. This is the thing people think new signings are so exciting. It's like winning a, it's like winning, it's like winning a game. It's become transfer signings. I think because of FIFA and stuff like that, it's just become this mm-hmm. thing where like you win a trophy when you buy a big player. But it, it, a lot of things have to go right well, for it well, to Jim, work. Jim Goodwin's came out and said he, he kind of he needs to tr- he doesn't trust coaches. He trusts 
players that he knows and it was Kenny McLean who actually he, he spoke to the former Aberdeen player who's, yeah. who's playing for Norwich at the moment he asked him um, what he thought and he gave him glowing reports um, so is there, is there any other ones you want to pick out I mean I know there's there's a few dealings going on with Celtic there's the likes of um, Patrick Klimala yeah. who seems like he's joining Celtic it might even be done while we're recording this show um, he's coming Sinclair's from Poland gone. Scott Sinclair is gone. There's this guy, is is Melia Soro, who might be joining Celtic. I mean, this is Neil Lennon seems to have this friendship with this agent Dudu Dahan, who is a football agent who deals with a lot of Israeli players um, or, players or players who are playing in the Israeli league. league. Yeah. So the likes of Nir Biton and yeah. El Hamed um, and, and actually um, Effie Ambrose. Oh yeah, Effie, Effie Ambrose as well. And the other one as well, um, Marciano, the goalkeeper for Hibernian. He actually went to Hibs when Lennon was manager as well. So he's using those contacts. But well, again, uh, the big, big like killing you do some work because uh, Osman So's uh, loan has finished. He's back at Dundee United. Simeon Jackson, I think, has been released. Simeon Jackson. Also, <laughs> geez, what's happening? Uh, and Liam Miller as well, who they had from Liverpool. He's uh, his loan's finished as well. Yeah. So they're already short of players anymore. Need to get really busy. They've only got like two weeks left to bring in so much that they need. And then Hearts are going to be busy as well. And it's only a, it's not a huge market for all these clubs to go for. I, mean, I think with the Scottish clubs in particular, because they don't have the greatest amount of money you do see much more business towards the end mm. of the window the last few days when particularly with loans and stuff from English clubs where players maybe looking for a different move and then you know the last minute have to take a loan coming up to Scotland so I mean it will get a lot more busy a lot busier in the, in the final week of the window just quickly who, who do you think has the busiest work to do in this transfer window who needs to do it most Killian Killian Hearts but Hearts is really complicated whereas Killy's quite simple you just need to identify decent players and get them in yeah and the thing with Kelly as well I mean they're not going to go down so yes to have a, a much better end to the season they need to get a striker in but it's not the sort of panic stations where it is with, with Hearts this is when we cut to April and go come on I could relegate it <laughs> <laughs> well that's it for this week's show thank you to JJ thanks to Kieran um, and thanks to Abby for our debut show and finally also thanks to Little Kicks for our cool theme tune we'll be back next Tuesday ready to review the Scottish Cup I don't know I said that kind of like American Scottish Scottish Cup from all of us here on the Totally Scottish Football Show we'll see you next Tuesday you've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show a Muddy Knees Media production for sales and advertising please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter and make sure you check out our brand new website too thetotallyfootballshow.com Hello there football fan my name's Lindsay Hooper and I'm here to tell you about another podcast that just might catch your interest. It's called the Offside Rule WSL Edition and every week it's me and Kate Borsay talking to a load of former and current footballers plus those in the know talk about what's going on in the world of women's football. So if you love your football and want something a little different, then give us a try. It's the Offside Rule WSL Edition available right now wherever you're listening to this podcast. The Offside Rule WSL Edition because women's football is for life, not just for every World Cup. Muddy Knees Media.